The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. This is Brandon Cooks, and you're listening to Rosser Watch. Ladies and gentlemen, Roster Watch Nation, welcome back to the Epic Roster Watch Podcast, brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. We can go to underdogfantasy.com right now. Use promo code Roster for 100% deposit bonus up to $100. They do have the $10 million best ball contest going on right now that has a $2 million prize for first place, $1 million to second place, $1 million for the regular season league winner. That's totally awesome. Go get into that thing. Get $100 free dollars by using promo code ROSTER at Underdog Fantasy. All right, big, big guest today. She's the second time she's been on the uh, podcast. You know her and love her from her Houston Texans content and from the Deep Slant podcast. She is the lead writer and Texans insider for HoustonTexans.com. It is Deepy Sadu. You can find her on Twitter at Deep Slant. Find her content there. No spaces, no underscores, no anything. All one word, deep slant. Super (laughs) easy. (laughs) How are you doing? We we were talking about it off air, but I'm glad to hear you're keeping cool down there in Houston because it's it's hard to keep cool in Texas right now. I mean, sort of. It's like in the 90s, but you know, in the (laughs) evenings, it's it's just like a nice breezy 78 degrees. So super (laughs) super comfortable. But it's it's definitely May and it's May in Houston, as as you know, Texas. uh, You know, we don't waste any time getting to the summer heat. So you you said that kind of in passing, and I wanted to ask you more about it on the podcast, but you said in passing, that, you know, fans happy with the Texans draft. Um, do, do you feel like, do you feel, I mean, at the very beginning of the draft, did you, I mean, you guys are right there in the building. You know what is happening. Just with the Derek Stingley pick, there, the words kind of started kind of started coming out a little bit right as we got into the draft for us guys to do the mock drafts and um, try and really cover this. Um, I was in Las Vegas. I was not expect. I know that there had been the buzz about Stingley going higher than everybody thought. We know that leading into the draft, um, you had Lovey talking about, you know, the need for corners. And I don't remember the exact context for it, but do you did you think that that was going to be a corner? Did you think that they might go edge? They might go offensive line. Um, of course, they went offensive line later. But uh, mm-hmm. what did you what did you think? Were you surprised by that pick? Well, you know, first of all, thanks for having me back again. But I, you know, I had done this draft prospect series for the podcast where I interviewed beat reporters 
just talking about the top, I think maybe 12 or so players in the league and, and just in talking to different people about the draft and how the draft board was laid out, you know, the Texans really couldn't go wrong because they just needed players and talent at every level. But mm-hmm. it seemed like since they had two first round picks, there were a lot of different options and a lot of quote unquote experts thought the Texans might go offensive line because I there did. was a lot more top tier <laughs> talent there. And, you know, as you at number three and then you get to number 13, you know, there there are a lot more options at different positions. But the Mm -hmm. the Texans certainly have struggled with their O-line, but they've also struggled in the secondary. And a lot of people had mocked Kyle Hamilton safety out of Notre Dame to the Mm -hmm. Texans because Justin Reed left in free agency. And it's it's not happened very often that a safety has gone that high. So I, I thought it might be somebody in the secondary. I I think a lot of people thought it would be a cornerback. They thought maybe Sauce Gardner, maybe Derek. I don't know. Derek Stingley was just kind of an unknown just because he was coming off his injury. But I think his pro day really wowed so many of the teams and people watching and sort of laid it to rest um, that he was ready to go. But just seeing the reaction to the Texans taking Stingley, a lot of people across the league, like players, um, NFL experts just said that, you know, he is a top talent, like, Stingley mm-hmm. Healthy is just as one of those sort of generational lockdown corners. Now, I, I don't want to put a lot of expectation on him because he's coming in as a rookie, but yeah. Levy Smith did say that they wanted to get better at the cornerback position. So it was a surprise. I mean, I, I'll be the first to say I didn't, but I didn't know who the Texans were going to take. I think if you'd asked me on any given day, I thought it was going to be O-lineman. I thought maybe pass rusher because there were some talented pass rushers at the top of the board as well. But yeah, I, I just felt like whoever the Texans took, they just they couldn't go wrong. I mean, it was going to be a top level talent at that number three position. So I'm excited. It's Derek Stingley. I mean, he's uh, just seeing his game film just gets you so pumped to see what he could bring to that position, and you know, to see him back there as as a potential lockdown corner, potentially on the number one receiver. I mean, there's a lot to be excited about for for Texans fans. And and you heard a lot of players talking about him, SEC guys. You also heard the the, the NFL guys that used to play in the SEC. He's he's gone in, in head-to-head battles with a lot of dudes who are, you know, getting paid a lot of money in the league right now. You know, the, I mean, I think that's kind of a game, recognized game type of deal. Um, and, and I think that was a big part of it. I think the fact that they saw what he's able to do against Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson, I think yeah. that really – when Nick Casario talked about it after the draft, that that was a big part of the evaluation process because Devontae if you notice, Smith, the Texans took a lot of SEC guys this yeah. year uh, because they want to see how they perform against other top-tier talent at the collegiate level to give them sort of a, a baseline of how they might do in the NFL, You know how they might handle this sort of top-level competition once they get into the pros. So I, I think that Derek Stingley definitely checked all the boxes when, it, as far as it came to the competition level that he went up against. So, uh, it, and what's cool is like they did get to address. You said it was at thirteen. Did they pick it? Thir- they, did they trade back from thirteen? They did. Thir- they they yes, were going to pick at thirteen. They traded back. In fact, I think Nick Casario wanted to trade back from fifteen to to 20 even more so but then he sort of felt like that Mm -hmm. might not be the right spot for what the talent that they wanted to add but they did pick at 15 they took an offensive lineman out of texas a&m kenyon green Mm -hmm. um so that was the first of their three houston area players but i was gonna say kenyon kenyon what's he went to summer creek or something i forget that's yeah 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 Yeah. he was a guy that was a big time five-star recruit of the 2019 class here in texas for sure yeah i think he was one of jimbo fisher's first five-star recruits going into texas a&m 
Yeah, and so and then, but you talked about Kyle Hamilton too, and you know they ended up actually getting the safety with Jalen Petre, who I mean I thought he was going to go first round. Most people had him mocked in the first round of their mock drafts. He was uh, one of the just the. So I, I, were you at the Senior Bowl? Like, did you know? Did you notice him there? Like, I actually was not at the Senior Bowl. Okay. Our uh, sideline analyst John Harris goes to the Senior Bowl. Okay, right. Well, he was yeah. very big on Jalen Petrie. <laughs> if you got Harris, man, you're going to send Harris to the Senior Bowl for sure. <laughs> <laughs> right. What am I, I going to add that 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 John Harris didn't observe? <laughs> yeah, but yeah, right. Okay, he's got uh, it covered. <laughs> and so, and then. Uh, and then we get into some of the guys that are kind of fantasy relevant that I that I want to talk to you about. But before we do that, just a couple quick things. So I was looking at the betting line. Have you looked at the betting lines for the for the Texans win totals this year? Have you just uh, looked? No. What are they at? Just out of curiosity. I, I I would like to hear since you don't know. I would like to hear what you would think it is. Oh, I'm sure that's well. Last year they won four games, so I don't know. Maybe they put the Texans at six. Four and a half. Oh, that's so, really awful. To me, to me, it seems like I mean, and I was just looking at the schedule. So that's so that's the lowest in the that's the lowest in the AFC South. They have the Jacksonville Jaguars at it's just straight up six. So uh, I well, guess the Texans six. beat twice last year. So mm-hmm. I don't I don't understand how these get done. But um, so yeah, the the schedule came out. Let's just see. Let's just go through the schedule and like we like we'll see if we can squint. See if we can. I mean, I think that they can win five of these games. I was just looking at it. All right, so week one, uh, it's going to be the Colts at home. That's probably going to be tough, right? That'll probably be tough. Mm-hmm. Week two at the Denver Broncos, Russell Wilson. That's going to be a really tough one. Um, but then at the Chicago Bears, a noon game, week three. I mean, does that seem does that seem on like unwinnable? I mean, like, I, I can't. Uh, to be honest, it's very hard for me to look at game by game because I just feel like there's so many factors at play. Like, I feel like early on in the season, it is nice to get the tougher teams early on in the season because they're still trying to figure things out and gel. But mm-hmm. I think it's all going to come down to how Davis Mills plays for the Texans. And you know, I think the defense was strong last year. I think defense kept this team in a lot of games. Well, they certainly played um, hard down the stretch through the right? third quarter, yeah. but the offense just couldn't move the ball and couldn't score points. So I think with there, there's so many unknowns for the Texans too because it's it's going to be a new offense, it's a new system under Pep Hamilton. So what does that look like? Do the Texans? Does it take them a while to sort of? Um, get their footing, you know, with this new system. I don't, I don't know. I think that there's a lot of factors at play, but I think it's all going to be predicated on, can they get the run game going? Uh, how does Davis Mills look in year two? Does he make that year one to year two jump? And if they do, I, I do have a lot of optimism for the Texans. Maybe they're not going to make it to the Super Bowl this year, but I feel like they're building towards that, especially with a lot of this young talent. I mean, there's a lot of young players on this team too. So um, it really depends on, you know, when those guys are ready to start playing games. I feel like Levy Smith is ready to put rookies out there. If they're ready to go, he's, he's ready to put them out there. So we, and that's interesting because that's not exactly, that's, that's, that's not exactly um, the, that wasn't exactly what the, uh, what the, what the GM said at his uh, post draft evaluation where he said these guys are good you know these rookies aren't going to come in and well play. i don't they're think gonna they're going to give a i don't think they're handing out right. starting jobs now right um, and i don't think that they want the the rookies to come in and, and it's like whatever they've accomplished at the collegiate level it all mm-hmm. changes it's it's they're starting at the same baseline and there's a lot that they have to learn which you know the texans had rookie minicamp over the weekend 
And Lovey Smith called it a rookie orientation. It's it's really just he said it's like if you're cramming for finals, it's them trying to cram as much information in these rookies' heads in in a two three day period because today starts um, you know where they where they come into the building with the veterans, so they don't want to spend time on them being rookies. They want to try to get them as up to speed as they can. So that obviously that all takes time. Um, so I don't think I think with Nick Casario, he doesn't want to just assume that any of these rookies are going to have a, you know, in the starting right. lineup, he's not going to put anyone in there, but well, he's a I think if a guy, guy yeah. yeah, I think if in camp, it's going to come down to competition. So if you can beat out your competition, you can, you do it consistently, you play well, you know, th- there definitely is room for rookies. And and we didn't see that in the past. I think in the past it was like, no rookies, they, they need to spend their entire rookie year just learning. So I think, that mindset has changed a little bit. There still is some caution when you throw rookies out on the field, but it's not the same like, you know, they're rookies, what do they know? It's like, well, they, they sort of have to earn that spot before we let them start games or, or seeing meaningful snaps in games. But last year's rookie class, uh, there were only five of them. They all played meaningful games and had meaningful starts um, midway through the year and later. And Davis Mills, obviously, much sooner than that. But I think with the COVID cases, with injuries, they threw the rookies out there and they all performed really well. So... There were only five rookies in last year's class. Davis Mills, Brevin Jordan, Nico Collins, Roy Lopez, and Garrett Wallow. And they all played meaningful games and meaningful snaps last year. So that was Nick Casario's first year as general manager. So I think if it's any indication, we could see these rookies do the same this year. But they sort of have to earn that time and earn that spot. I, I know you didn't want to go game by game through the schedule, but just, but just to get back. I'm, to the, I'd be get, awful at it, get, to be honest. Get, you don't want to do that just, with me. But, but just to get back for the people. Like, when I, when, I, when, I, when I look at this, I see games that are look super – like, there are two Jacksonville Jaguars games, which are super winnable. The Bears game is super winnable. The Giants game will be super winnable. The Commanders game will be super winnable. The Miami Dolphins, we'll see what happens with them, but that seems winnable to me. And then there's always – I mean, Tennessee, who knows if they're going to be as good. I mean, they don't have that big a win total this year. They, like, well, there could be a quarterback situation in Tennessee as yeah, well. Like we so, don't know. I just think I think four and a half is too low. I, I think I think I mean, we're right. I, it's just too low of a win total. I think um, that's one that well, that would be one that I'll be interested in betting the over on. Well, um, the, the goal is to win more games than last year, and I think they made a lot of changes this offseason mm-hmm. to sort of get them to that goal. Last year's free agency was it was a hard. I mean, Nick Casario's first year as general manager was tough. You know, like you come in and it was just this roster overhaul that he had to do. But you've got a lot of returning guys from last year to this year. Your coaches know the players for the most part. Like Levy Smith, being a new head coach, he's really not. I mean, he knows this roster. He know, he doesn't have to watch film on these players. He knows what they're about. So he can sort of build on what uh, he started last year in this defense. And then Pep Hamilton was here last year as well. So even though it's a different offense, he's worked with Davis Mills. And, you know, he knows what his strengths and his weaknesses are. So I, I just... I, I, I find it hard to believe that they won't win more games than they did last year, especially with adding some of this top-level talent. Even in free agency, they've added some some veteran guys that should make them better. Well, one of the guys they added in free agency, before, I guess people are going to want to hear about these rookies, but just, I mean, we got to talk about some of the uh, some of the other parts that are there, especially at running back, because clearly, I mean, they brought in Marlon Mack. Um, David Johnson's now gone, but Rex Burkhead's still around. It feels, feels, feels like they kind of gave Rex Burkhead – sort of an attaboy kind of deal for what he was able to do towards the end of last season. But, you know, I mean, what, he's going to be 32 or 33 years old. He's starting to get up there a little bit in age. You wonder how long he can really keep, you know, playing at that elevated level of play. And then, of course, Damian Pierce. Like, did did, did you get to see Damian Pierce in the rookie mini camps? And 
boy, he's a fun guy to interview and stuff. I don't know if you've got Oh, yeah. I actually or... had a chance to interview him right after we – I actually interviewed all the draft picks right after we interviewed them. So, I mean, they literally got picked, and then they had to sit down and do an interview with me real quick. But oh, okay. uh, Damian Pierce also goes by DP, by the way. So I'm going to put in that I need to be OGDP because oh, you're yeah. way first. But he calls <laughs> himself true. DP, so, and, and I love it. I just feel like there's there's a show in there somewhere like – yeah. DP and DP show or yeah, DP squared. So yeah, I, I'm, I'm I already pitching it. Yeah. yeah I, I know he's just a rookie and he hasn't done because, anything yet. Because he's a great personality. And here's he's the here's a, the, and he's a lot of fun to watch. Like his yeah. highlight video where his helmet gets ripped off against Florida State and he's just, you know, barreling towards the end zone. He just plays with so much passion. And I think everybody was waiting to see when the Texans were going to draft a running back. And I there were a lot of guys still on the board. There was Isaiah Spiller was on the board for a long time, and and then he got taken and then you know, Damian Pierce was available, SEC guy, super tough. He didn't get a lot of carries last year, and maybe he wasn't um, fully utilized, but he's got fresh legs, and he can really, um, you know, make an impact in, in the run game if, you know, he gets an opportunity. I, I think that he will. He, he looks really stout and strong, and he seems like a great goal line um, a back. But right now, he's okay with playing running back by committee, which is, what Lovey Smith and you know has sort of envisioned that we're gonna have we have multiple running backs and we're gonna you know we're gonna go with with all these backs because you can have never have too many running backs they got to get the ground game going and find a way to get it going but I think there is excitement as far as drafting a running back it's been a while since the Texans have done that so yeah. Rex Burkhead I think he did some great things especially late in the season he was playing really injured and. You know, playing in rainy games, hurt. He's obviously his age is a factor, but I think they they brought him back because there's a lot of veteran knowledge that he has um, for this game, and, and I think there's a lot that a rookie can learn from him. So, and and Marlon Mack, you know, he's dealt with his share of injuries in Indianapolis. He was the guy in Indianapolis, and then of course what he does on special teams. Our special teams coordinator Frank Ross, he's got experience with Marlon Mack from their days in Indy together. So. It's a it's a diverse group of backs in there. I'm probably leading some guys out, but um, you know, there, there's there's a lot of there's a lot that can be gained from having different styles of running backs. But that being said, who knows? Week 15, week 16, if if there's a clear cut three down back um, in Damian Pierce, I, I don't know, I don't know. But that remains to be seen. I think there's a lot of optimism for him, though. Well, Damian Pierce is an awesome pass catcher. It's something that he is. You don't yeah. see, I mean, you don't see many people talk about it, but he can catch. I just, I, it, it concern it. So that definitely helps with the three down stuff. He's also a really good pass protector. So, I mean, he has what it takes to be a three down back, but mm -hmm. you, you said something concerning that you said that Lovey Smith has actually come out to you guys and said that he, like, he wants a committee. Like, he, well, like, he, I, I shouldn't say he wanted a committee, his exact words. And this was at, um, I want to say he was asked about it over the weekend. He said, you can never have too many running backs. Mm -hmm. And I think the reason why they say that is because they just, don't want to just come out and say, okay, Damian Pierce is our starting running back. I mean, mm -hmm. this is, it's really, really early. Like he's still trying to figure out, these rookies are still trying to figure out where the cafeteria is in the practice oh, field. Sure. So yeah, they sure. sort of have to earn that spot. So I, he didn't say committee as much as he said, you could never have too many backs, but I asked Damian Pierce about it. And he said, if it's running back by committee, I'm down with it. Like, you know, I'm paraphrasing his words, but he said, you know, whatever it takes us running backs have got to stick together. So, you know, you sort of like that attitude in a young guy. He's, he's hungry, but he's humble and he works really hard and he's just super passionate about uh, what he does in his craft. Have you, have you seen Marlon Mack around or like, have you, have you gotten to just get your eyes on him or, I mean, what does he look like? What kind of role do you think he'll be playing? I mean, 
Um, I guess at the very beginning of the season, we never know how things will evolve. And certainly it's an interesting piece in Pierce. But like for the first snap of the season, if you had to put your money down on one of these guys to be out there for the first snap, do you think it would be Marlon Mack? I know. Well, Marlon Mack against Indianapolis. Like if that's not a revenge game, I don't know what is. That's true. I did see see him out there when the off-season program, uh, the off-season workout program started. He was out there with the backs. That was before the yeah, that was before the draft. It was, or well, the rookies were not here. It was of uh, the rookies that we haven't seen rookies and vets together, but we did see Marlon Mack out there. And he was one of the guys that I said, I want to watch. Uh, he he was one of the guys after, after watching when, when workouts, I was just really intrigued by him because, I mean, he put up some numbers early on with his days with the Colts and then he had the knee injury. And then they, obviously they drafted Jonathan Taylor and he never really quite got that starting position back. But I think if he's healthy, uh, you know, he can really add a lot to the running game as well. And and I'm curious to see how we use him on special teams as well, just because Frank Ross, special teams coordinator, Marlon Mack, um, they've, they've worked together before. But I think he's going to be raring to go come week one. The Texans start and end the season with the Colts, which should be a lot of fun. Yeah, no, for sure. It, 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 and it's funny, Casario was – because, you know, people were – like you said, I think there people were excited about Damian Pierce. Even the media seemed sort of excited that they drafted a running back and stuff. And I mean, Casario was tilted. He was like, "This is ridiculous." He said, "You know, <laughs> something like this." He just said, "No one's gonna. This guy needs to come in and needs to be." You talk about being a three down back. Like we need him to be a good on fourth down. Saying that, like you know, we need to be good on special teams and stuff before anything gets handed to him. So I think it's interesting that you bring that up about. Marlon Mack on special teams. I'm just, I'm, I'm worried for fantasy that maybe this is a situation where it's going to take a little while for it to shake out as far as what the pecking order is with, uh, with, well, with these I, guys. I think what you, I think what you do is you definitely try to pick up Damian Pierce in the later rounds. Yeah. If I, you can, cause I'll, you've got insider info because I think the potential for him to get a lot of carries that, you know, even maybe at the goal line is definitely there. I mean, he's going to be in the mix. He's going to be out on the field. They're not going to just let him sit, you know, for half the season. They they need help in the run game, and and they're certainly hoping Damian Pierce. But I think Nick Casario just wanted everyone to tap the brakes on who's going to start where week one. And maybe, mm-hmm. and I was trying to figure out what that was in reference to, and I thought maybe it might be because, um, and this is just totally my guess, but people try to figure out how the offensive line fits together. There have been a lot of questions you know, about Titus Howard and what what does drafting Kenyon Green mean for Titus Howard? And so, well, then they put Kenyon Green at guard. Well, I was I was extrapolating from that that they don't want to just say Kenyon Green is a starter because you know they just don't want to they don't want to oh, say that they don't want to they don't want to yeah, just yeah, yeah. lay out their starting five until they've had a chance to see the starting five work together. And so, since th- since they that was the line they took with Kenyon Green, it's the line they had to take with all of the rest of the guys. Right? I mean, I'm guessing. I, I don't. <laughs> no, I don't. I yeah, I, no. and even Titus I think Howard. You're exactly right. You're, if if I you mean, ask about yeah. Titus Howard, even after the draft, um, there, you will not get any confirmation of whether or not he's going to go back to right tackle or whether he's going to stay guard. The 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 standard response from everyone is that well, he can play both guard and tackle, and he's a very talented player and he we will find a place for him on the field and he's very happy to play wherever he needs to play which he is Titus is like a great guy he's like I'll play wherever I need to play uh, but no one is no one's dubbing anyone as starting anything right now hold on DP uh, there's actually a question whether Titus Howard is going to play guard again or whether they're going to move him out to tackle now that they have Kenyon Green there's still a conversation about well that? no there's not a, there's there's not I think everyone is assuming that he's going to kick back out to right tackle, but I think mm-hmm. Nick Casario doesn't want to oh, okay. much as confirm it to anybody just yet. So maybe I think maybe he's, he's a little bit frustrated that 
there's a lot of assumption that goes into that. Like, oh, you draft Kenyon Green, therefore Titus can go back to right tackle. That means that you're just assuming you've got a rookie that can just be a starting play week one. Just my guess, um, just from being around the building and just I, I know how they feel about rookies and just giving anyone a starting position because even Davis Mills, it seemed like, Early on, they said, well, you know, we'll have to see how it goes with Davis Mills. But now it's they're sort of and, – and Davis is not a rookie anymore, right? Yeah. And now it's sort of like, well, Davis has got the most experience in this system. So obviously he's our main quarterback, i.e. No one says the word starter, but you can – I mean, you can venture to say he's going to be the starter. Well, yeah. And, and the We're very sensitive about naming starters around here if you have Yeah, <laughs> no, but, but I mean, I, I get it. I mean, that's, that's the culture that they're trying to build. It's the culture of accountability and stuff. But I think, I think that, um, I think the quarterback's the one where it's like, even in a culture like that, you can definitely at some point say like, Hey, this is our starting quarterback, you know, like we're, we're because that's the way that, you know, that's the kind of guy that's, that's the way you sort of, um, put him in position to be a good leader to all the others and stuff sure, like that. Sure. But um, speaking of Davis Mills, just it's kind of interesting to talk about. It's like, you look at what you look at, you know, five quarter, was it five that won the first round last year? It was Lawrence and it was what Lance and it was Justin Fields and it was Mac Jones. And which one am I missing? I'm missing one of them. I can't, there's, um, I can't believe it. I'm being like, I'm completely Lawrence. Lawrence Mac Jones. Oh, Zach Wilson. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So whenever. Because David, well, here's the thing. Davis David Mills is like. Well, the third round. And I we know. didn't have a first or second round pick. So last year's first and second rounds are a little bit of a blur to me. <laughs> yeah, right. And, and so, I mean, how has he thought? Like, how, how about this? What do you think of Davis Mills just as a guy? How is he around the building? What's his like, what's his leadership style? Because it's like. These all these teams they have their their new quarterbacks right. It's like the Trey Lance, the Zach Wilsons. These these guys. I mean, outside of maybe Mac Jones, mm-hmm. was Davis Mills probably? I mean, one of the better I mean, quarterbacks was- in the class. And so it's like if all yeah. of these if all of these guys are looking at their quarterback like he's their quarterback of the future, is that like is Davis does Davis Mills walk around like he's like he's quarterback of the future and like what kind of guy is he oh no i mean i don't i mean i think he like he carries himself like a leader he's he's more of a quiet guy mm-hmm. but uh the players seem to really like him you know he he just has a different way of leading but even in being quiet you know this off season he organized throwing sessions you know at his old i want to say his old high school out there in atlanta he had brandon cooks he had the veteran guys out there um and some of the younger players as well so you know, he got the guys together. He wanted to work on chemistry and and throwing to the guys. That's not something obviously he would have done last year as a rookie, but being you know going into a second year and and now it's you know he he was the starter for the last those last uh, seven games, eight games of the season, and he actually showed a lot of improvement in the second the second time around when he was starting versus when he was just filling in for Tyrod Taylor when he was injured. Mm-hmm. Um, nine touchdowns, only two interceptions. You know, very very you know good with the ball as far as not turning it over because that was an issue early on in the season. So that to me, that gives me, you know, a little bit of confidence in Davis Mills as far as he's done enough to earn, um, you know, this, this this spot as a leader of this team, as a quarterback of this team heading into year two. Now, does he build on it? You know, does he make that jump from year one to year two? Does he get better? You know, there's a, there's a number of things I think that Pep Hamilton rattled off that he wanted to see Davis Mills improve here in year one to year two. And, you know, just going through his reads and his progressions, but just his timing and, and you know, just taking his game to the next level, especially in this new system. So I, I think Davis Mills has done enough. 
to warrant the fact that, you know, he is the leader of this team, but he still has to show growth and he still has to show improvement and they have to win games. Ultimately, it's going to come down to winning games. But I thought for the, for the, for not having a run game, you know, the Texans were last or at the bottom of the, the league in, in rushing yeah. yards. Um, you know, he still managed to put up points there at the end, you know, and he was, he was moving the ball. Well, you, you saw improvement there. So if you give him a good, a, you know, a good run game, you know, a, a better offensive line this year. You've got guys that are coming back. You've got some new talent there as well. I, I want to see what he can do. You know, I, I feel like he should be better, you know, especially if uh, from what we saw late last year. Are are you getting the idea that um, because we we have the two Alabama uh, rookie wide receivers, John Mechie and Jamison Williams, who both probably fell a little bit. Mm-hmm. The, cer- certainly Jamison Williams didn't fall quite as far as Mechie because James, but Jamison Williams was a guy who many scouts thought would be the first off the board before he got injured. I think he ended up going third or fourth off the board. And then Mechie of course fell to, I think the second round is where the Texans took him. Right. Second um, round. Mm-hmm. So, so do, do you think Mechie, whenever I first heard this news, I said, well, I think probably Nico call. And I know you guys hate saying who starters, but it feels like Nico call. <laughs> It feels like Nico Collins is probably earned a role somewhere, right? Based on the the strength of you know the good prospect he was, based on the strength of what he was able to do down the stretch last year. We know that Brandon Cooks is a building block for this team. Um, right. Does John Mechie come in and play the slot? You think? Uh, like, what, how do you see him fitting in? And do you think he have you heard anything about whether or not you think he'll be ready to go to start the season, or whether it's just kind of still a wait and see, like they're talking about with with Jamison Williams? Yeah, I, I actually I had a chance to talk to Mechie right after we drafted him, and and he was very optimistic about his his rehab. Uh, he's running, he's cutting, he's doing everything. He said he'd be ready to go by camp in July. Okay. Um, but however, however, uh, Lovey Smith and Nick Casario have definitely tapped the brakes on that. They they don't want to put any timetable on his return. Uh, they want to you know bring him up to speed. There's you know Lovey I think over the weekend said he's not at a hundred percent yet. So. They want to get him to 100%. He will play games this year is really all he said. He didn't say when or week one or anything like that. I think they don't want to put that pressure on him. But I was very encouraged in talking to Mechie that he is healthy or close close to healthy, I should say, and that he will be healthy uh, at the beginning of the season. So I don't know how they're going to use him. I mean, I feel like that's kind of the beauty of having him and Nico Collins and Brandon Cooks together. You know, like where does Mechie fit into that mix? So – I, I can't say I know how they'll use him or where, where they'll use him. Will he be in the slot? Maybe, you know, I mean, I think that would make sense, but maybe, maybe they move him around. Um, you know, just, I, I think just seeing how his chemistry is with Davis Mills, he's going to be behind. That's the other thing. Like if he is not at full speed by camp, there's going to be a lot of reps that he won't get. So he's going to have to really work his way back into the lineup and to really get himself um, some reps when he is healthy. But I mean, I just look at the if you just think about the depth chart that the Texans have besides Cooks, I mean, Nico Collins was a third round pick. I don't think that there's anybody else on that. Is there any is there another wide receiver on that depth chart that was even drafted by the Texans? I don't think that there is. Let, let's see. Chris, Chris, Chris Moore was not drafted by the Texans. No, Dorsett was not. Chris Conley was not. Jalen Camp was not. Damon Hazelton was not. Deshaun Hamilton was no, he was to the Broncos. Um, I'm trying to think. Did they even? No, most of these that? most of these guys signed in last year, like Conley and Moore. Yeah. Um, I, so I don't so know. But 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 to your point, 
I mean, I think if you look at like how many wide receivers, I think you got to look at the tight ends as well as a pass catching group. I mean, Pep Hamilton's offense. Pep Hamilton likes to use a lot of tight ends in his offense. No, that's so, a good point, right? I mean, I think you can look at the numbers, but I I think you've got guys like Brevin Jordan. You know, um, also you got to really look at him as as a um, as a receiver as well. And I know they re, they brought back Farrell Brown. Um, and last year was rough for Farrell. Like he he got a lot of penalties, but you know when we saw him two years ago, I mean he was a threat for the tight end. So I don't really know what's going to happen with Farrell. Like what you know what sort of production he will have or what role he will have. But I feel like Brevin Jordan really, when he started playing um, and when he was seeing meaningful snaps, I mean, he was really a lot of fun to watch in in the receiving game. And him and Davis Mills had a really great chemistry as well. She is DP Sadu. You can find her on Twitter at Deep Slant. Of course, she is the Texans insider and lead writer for the Houston Texans at HoustonTexans.com. Also, uh, you can, you can, uh, see her on Texans TV for all the great analysis over there. But the best way to keep up with what she's doing, follow her on Twitter at Deep Slant. She's a great friend of Roster Watch, and we always appreciate her coming on. So we'd appreciate you guys going and giving her a follow over there. All right, DP, I told you that I was going to ask you. Uh, we've talked about a lot of these players, and we've touched on on a whole lot of them. I mean, some of the rookies, some of the – I mean, we talked about Stingley. We've talked about Petre. We've talked about um, – you know, we mentioned Brevin Jordan. You talked some about Farrell Brown. We talked about all the running backs. We talked about Mechie, Kenyon Green. Well, is out of those guys, or maybe out of any other player, who is somebody who people aren't talking enough about that could play a role this year for the Texans that is you know far outsized to what sort of is being projected as we speak now in what mid mid May of twenty twenty two. Um, I think, why don't we talk pass rush? Because I feel like we haven't really talked to any pass rushers. But uh, the Texans signed a pair of pass rushers last week. Uh, Jerry Hughes and Mario Addison, who between them have like two decades of experience, which I think would be really good for this Levy Smith system. And I, and I think that a lot of people are excited about that. I know they've got a lot of years, but sometimes that's a good thing when it comes to facing opposing quarterbacks. So I'm kind of excited to see what they bring to the D-line. And, and the way that Levy Smith plays as D lineman, it's really just a lot of rotation. So you're not going to see the same guys on the field the entire game. But I think that you add them to the mix uh, with guys like John Grenard, who had some injuries last year, but was just on a tear um, Mm -hmm. until he was injured. Like the rate of sacks per snap that he was, I think was among the, the top in the league. And he didn't even hit double digit sacks. And he was really disappointed. So I think you you add got you know some veterans to a, a relatively young group um, of pass rushers, and I, I think that's going to be really exciting. I think offensively, I'm really excited to see Nico Collins in year two. Uh, he was a lot of fun to watch last year. Really stretched the field with you know you know I think he's learned from Brandon Cooks. And I think his chemistry with Davis Mills came along really nicely. He missed three games in the middle on IR, but when he came back, he was ready to go. He's a quiet guy, but. I think he just really adds something that offense when he's out there. And, and I'm also excited about uh, free agent signing in AJ can, who's an offensive lineman. He started at right guard for seven years for the Jaguars. And, you know, he is reunited with the new offensive line coach, George Warhop. So I'm excited about some of those signings and I'm excited about some of the guys that are coming back for another season with the Texans. So I, I'm excited about a lot. And, I, and I'm super excited to see just when you put the entire team together, what Levy Smith is able to do. Can I, can I just say I'm excited about Levy Smith, first of all, being the head coach, because um, he's, I know it's just the off season, but he's just 
super likable, just brings so much knowledge and experience. And I think these guys are really pumped to play for a guy like him. 